Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hi, hi, hi. And today we're joined by our friend, Britt. Hello. Today we're talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world and expectations in relationships. So spoiler alert for Scott Pilgrim. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. Um, so Britt, do you think you could give us a, a short summary of Scott Pilgrim? Sure. Scott Pilgrim is a story about a guy named Scott who falls for a girl and basically spends the next however long time trying to fight her evil exes and win her love, I guess. Yeah, no, it's pretty spot on. Um, I think one of the best parts of the movie is that it was originally a, a comic book mm-hmm. and they really try to stay true to that aspect um, with it overlapping with also a video game aesthetic, which was really fun. Yeah. I think this might be a situation where the movie is better than the book because um, especially with like this video game aesthetic and music is so important to the story. Like Scott's in a band. One of the evil exes is a music producer. Um, but obviously a comic book can't really portray that. But, you know, the movie has audio and can make music a really big part of it. Right, yeah. I will point out that none of us <laughs> uh, read the comic, um, and so we are not necessarily claiming that the movie is better than the comic book, um, but we are suggesting, based on what we've seen, that the visuals and the music are so appealing that it, there's a chance it could be. Nice save. That was Phew. a good save. <laughs> and when when Scott Pilgrim came out, wasn't it the first of its kind to do this kind of cross mix between live action but adding the video game effects into it? It was uh, it was around uh, 2010, I think. So mm-hmm. it was definitely rarer. Yeah. Um, it was. It's like a geeky movie. Yeah. Um, and you sort of have to swallow. For some people, you have to swallow a, a large pill to just accept. Wait, what part of this is real? Wait, wh- what part of this is a fantasy? Oh, it's all real? I, okay, I guess, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can, eh. Yeah, so while the movie has audio and special effects and stuff, the books have more time. And so, you know, there's some stuff in the movie that they throw in because it is part of the story, but they're like, we're not really going to spend a lot of time on this, whereas the book can, like, actually explain it and expound upon it. But uh, you called it geeky. And Britt, before you were mentioning... um, you know, one of your friends uh, didn't like the movie because there were, like, references. Yeah. And you were like, not really. Like, it's just kind of, like, about nerd video game culture. It's very Michael Sarah. It's very mm-hmm. just edgy and ironic in its own way. But I think this reached a different target audience because it was kind of, like, the first of its kind for people who love video games so much that they kind of feel sometimes like they're living in this video game fantasy world where when they do things they really get like achievements and points for it and then it was like visualized in a movie which was really cool yeah and the references quote unquote are very self-contained it's kind of like they're referencing themselves Mm -hmm. they could be referencing the comic book um but you definitely don't need to read it to enjoy the movie not at all yeah, I would honestly probably give this movie five stars. I think it's, you know, really well done. I can't really think of a major problem with it. Um, I mean, and Alex, you mentioned it, it came out almost 10 years ago, but I think the effects really, really hold up. 
I think even 10 years ago, even today, this, this movie itself is kind of revolutionary in the way it the way it handled itself versus the special effects and how just seamless each scene blends into each other, kind of like jump cut scenes, but like in a perfect way where it's not too much and you can still follow the story, but it's still so funny at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely making fun of itself with uh, like he's Michael Sarah Scott is... Um sort of struggling with something and as they zoom into his face they zoom out and they're in a different location Mm -hmm. and he has a sort of confusion to him like oh whoa we're in a different scene or like we're in a different location but we sort of just accept it as these are just our transitions it's it's going to make the action come faster and if you can handle that then we're good to go yeah the universe is really well developed because it they have they let you know that the people are seeing what we're seeing. Um, one of my favorite scenes uh, is the third evil ex, Todd, who has psychic powers because he's vegan. And everyone's just like, yep, that's how it works. If you're vegan, you get psychic powers. And they're not confused that that exists. They're just like, what's the science behind it? Like, how does it give you special powers? <laughs> Yeah, the characters sort of act as the audience should, like sort of surprised, but not in a freaking out kind of way. Mm -hmm. It's like a, hmm, I guess that's part of our reality. (laughs) Except when he found out that bread makes you fat, because then he was very surprised. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely um, a surprise for all of us, I would say. Same. No one taught me what carbs were. (laughs) (laughs) Um... One aspect I really liked about the movie is definitely the main character, Scott, is a pretty flawed character. Mm -hmm. We're rooting for him. He has this nice guy persona, and he's very um, Michael Sarah-y, which, by the way, cast perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But he's not necessarily the best of people, and he is able to shrug it off all on his own, and maybe the first time around while we watch it, we're able to shrug it off as well, but when you take a look, like the second or third time you watch it, you realize, well, he's he's being kind of shitty. Yeah. He's kind of a dick. Um, at the end of the movie, Scott's final boss is Nega Scott, so it's like the evil version of himself, or rather the opposite version of himself, and... They don't end up fighting. He just kind of like chats with them and like make plans to get brunch. And then Scott goes like, oh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. So like the opposite version of Scott is a nice guy. (laughs) But yeah, it definitely takes you a couple watches to eventually be like, you know what? Like, I don't think I should be rooting for Scott. (laughs) I'm find myself when i was re-watching it kind of rooting more for knives mm-hmm. knives mm-hmm. chow his the girl that he kind of left in a ditch just for ramona because she was like genuinely such a sweet kind and caring person like she didn't do anything wrong he was just taken back by beautiful hair and dreams right but- and that's definitely like in being introduced to scott he's dating a high schooler and mm-hmm. every other character tells him, that's kind of gross. Like, that's a little, like, you really shouldn't do that. This is a bad idea. Yeah. And they, they're playful about it in that Michael Sarah's like, yeah, we, we almost held hands or, like, something like that. 
Um, and so you sort of are able to swallow it and say, okay, like he's just really dweeby and awkward. But definitely like he's 22, she's 17. Like that's even in this universe, not okay. And, yeah. and they address it and they recognize like, I think um, Aubrey Plaza's like character, who's a very minor character, says like, yeah, dating a high schooler is the morning phase. Mm-hmm. Um, morning as in M-O-U-R-N. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's important to note um, that people are calling Scott out on it. Like all his bandmates are like, dude, that's weird. And like his sister, her sister's coworker, his roommate are all like, you should not be dating a high schooler. And yeah, like they still kind of let it happen, quote unquote. But the big takeaway, I think, is that Scott ignores it. And I think that kind of tells us a little bit more about Scott. The perfect example would be the scene where they were all sitting in the bedroom and they were all telling him how amazing she was or whatever. And then his ex-girlfriend was like, she's so young, like this isn't going to work. And he was like, she's like, I want to punch your face in. And he's like, what? And then he was like, can we get back to how amazing I am? And you start Mm. noticing like his illusion of grandeur in himself and he's not paying really paying attention to everybody calling him out on everything. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, at a first glance of the movie, think of it like, oh, everyone's just teasing Scott, but he's, he's this great person. But the more you watch it, the more you're like, mm, no, <laughs> not really. Uh, yeah, and there are definitely redeeming qualities to Scott. We're not saying necessarily yeah. that he's all bad. Yeah. But... At first glance, he seems so, like, just an awkward kid who always gets the short end of the stick. And we realize on multiple watches, no, he's kind of giving himself the short end of the stick. And he's doing it over and over again. Similarly, with his love interest, Ramona, um, on multiple watches, you start to kind of, like, pick up on stuff she's doing. Yeah, like even on the first watch, and I and I, and I noticed more watching it multiple times. On the first watch, I saw Ramona let Scott fight all of her exes, and it was sort of like, "Yep, these are the conditions to dating me. Like you have to fight all my exes." And it's one like sort of taking away agency from Ramona, and she is accepting that she's just like, "Yep, you guys fight for me." Um, rather than stepping in and being like, hey, all of you exes, get over me. I just chose the next person. Um, On my second watch, I also noticed how many times Ramona said, like, you're not one of my evil, uh, you're not going to become one of my evil ex-boyfriends because you're a nice guy. And she heavily implies over and over that she's dating him because he's nice, because he's simple. Um, and not necessarily because she's attracted to him per se. But when I was just watching it again, like my last watch through, I noticed more, as Alex had said about her just kind of standing by and being like, this is what you have to do. She did help him through the movie in some ways, like especially with the fight with her ex-girlfriend, where Mm -hmm. she battled it out with her on her own first and he turned around and just completely got upset with her at the end, like going on about how he has to do all these battles and stuff. Mind you, she just spent like 
20 minutes getting her butt kicked by her ex-girlfriend for him so he wouldn't have to do it. And she even said, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this. But the ex-girlfriend was like, no, you have to do this. This is the league. If one person can't have you, nobody can. So she does actually mm-hmm. step in at some point in time. But on the first watch through, you don't really notice that until it gets like, I guess, 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and similar to that point, I will say, um, I think it's after he fights Todd the Vegan and then before he fights the ex-girlfriend and then again after the ex-girlfriend fight, Scott is getting like kind of annoyed and he's like, why do I have to fight all these people? I'm so annoyed. Like, are all of your exes evil? Like, how many people do I have to fight? And she, even though he's being like kind of mean to her, she's kind of like, you have the right to be mad at me. And she kind of like, similarly to how she accepts like these are the terms of dating me she's like yeah if i had to fight these many people i'd be mad too so i kind of get where you're coming from right um i would also point out that scott and ramona don't really know each other too well throughout the whole movie um he's sort of enamored with her is that the right word (laughs) yeah and doesn't really take the time to get to know her. Obviously, they get interrupted over and over by exes, but he's literally just like, oh, she's beautiful and perfect, and there's really nothing to that romance. Um, Again, she's just like, you are simple, and that's what I need in my life right now, and he's like, wow, someone cool likes me. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely an aspect there, which they do address in the movie, of like, we don't really know each other. Like, there, there needs to be more than just fight for me and I'll mm-hmm. fight for you type of thing. And you can tell early in the movie how it's more of like, oh, wow, this beautiful girl is paying attention to me with his reaction to when she dyed her hair blue. And he started freaking out about how, like, you know, what, how did this even happen? What's going on? Woe is me. I can't do this anymore. Because she changed her hair and, like, didn't make a big deal about it. And he was, like, so thrown off by that. So, like, obviously the way she looks, her generalized aesthetic is kind of really just it for him. And then eventually they, you know. Do they? Run off into the sunset. <laughs> Do they eventually, you run know. Run off into the sunset. Get to know each other? They don't. Probably they they not. really don't. No. <laughs> um, I do like the the whole blue hair change because... It's our it's our first verbalized insight of his insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you see that he's insecure, but he's like, if she's willing to change her hair on a whim, she's willing to change boyfriends on a whim. And I'm her boyfriend right now, and oh my goodness gracious. Let me put a hat on. <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think the hair color freakout is less about Scott's attraction to Ramona and more about Scott being like, oh, I really don't have anything to offer her. So if she can just decide to change her hair... She's just going to decide that she doesn't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really don't get into, like, why does Ramona like him? Like, there isn't, like, a, like the way Knives likes Scott, it's very like, oh, you're in a band, you're, like, sophisticated, I'm a fan of your music, and you're kind. 
you're teaching me so much and you're doing these things with me and spending time with me. I feel like you're somebody that we genuinely have interests together in. You can show me stuff and, you know, I want to introduce you to my parents. I want things to progress. I want to invite you into my life. Whereas Ramona is like, let's make out in our underwear in bed together because we're adults. Exactly. Which, don't get me wrong, and makes sense, but they don't care about each other as people or at least they that's not what's portrayed in the movie no Mm -hmm. no no yeah it's interesting that scott is willing to fight super villains for this girl who i think if someone asked him what do you like about her he probably wouldn't be able to answer that question no absolutely not But that's a very important question when it comes to relationships in general, because there's always at some point in time, you know, say you're getting into a fight with a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something, you can be like, or you're deciding you want to marry this person, somebody will ask you, what do you like about this person? And if you can't answer anything other than like physical, they're so cool well, why are they cool? What do they like? What's their favorite color? What do they like to eat? Are they allergic to anything? Do you even know anything about this person that you're like, you're so enamored with? Like, it has to go deeper than that. Right. It's definitely, this movie revolves around a sort of puppy love. Um, And a lot of rom-coms do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's just a flaw in Scott Pilgrim and that universe. I can't tell if the movie's doing it purposefully or not, or the comic books were doing it purposefully. Um, but I can definitely note now, like, wow, like, <laughs> this is not a healthy relationship in any regard. No. Yeah. And although I do think um, maybe because it's a movie and because of rom-coms, relationships are supposed to progress. You're not supposed to immediately, you know want to marry somebody and like love them more than you love their yourself. So I think Scott and Ramona might be like at the beginning point of like a real relationship. Like, you know, you have to get to know each other and things like that. Um, but because of the way the movie frames it, and I think because of how movies typically frame relationships, we're looking at it like, oh no, you guys are supposed to be like deeply, deeply in love, even though you just met. You would think, though, in some ways that if as each ex came to be, he would be leveling up his relationship with Ramona, getting to know her on Mm. different levels every single time, but that's not the case. Like, in real relationships, you basically level up when you get to different stages in progression. The honeymoon stage, and then the right, you know, you guys start fighting, and then you get over it, and then there's puppy love. There's different stages to relationships, you know, you get to a point where you have to excuse yourself to go to the bathroom every time you have to, like, fart. And then you get to a point where you can just do it next to the person freely. And in my mind, that's leveling up. <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Um, you, and you, you see, there is an opportunity for him to, and he doesn't take it. Cause nope. Because with every ex, she has to share a little bit about her history. And he uses that information to defeat the boyfriend or girlfriend, um, but doesn't use that information to get to know Ramona. And he doesn't reciprocate the information back to her. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Todd, who I keep bringing up, I think he's my favorite. But Todd is dating Scott's ex and is Ramona's ex. And if the two of them had communicated, they would have known that. But it's like a reveal because the both of them figure it out at the same time when they see him on stage. And they're like, oh boy, like we have a weird like double X at the prom situation. I, I think I'm using that wrong. But anyway, <laughs> um, where it's literally like, if you guys just talked to each other, you would have already known that. Yeah, I think uh, this movie can teach you a lot about sort of the expectations of a relationship not matching what an actual relationship is. I think coming from the fact that a lot of people get their expectations from rom-coms or mm -hmm. from media. Unrealistic expectations about how all it really takes to be somebody's soulmate is a generalized physical attraction. Mm -hmm. You don't really need to know anything about the person as long as you both get along physically. And one of you did one big romantic gesture once. <laughs> That's all it takes. Just yeah. the one time. That's and then all you've you reached your quota for, until at least the 15th anniversary. Yeah. And then you got to keep it fresh again. It's actually 30 years if your big <laughs> gesture involves an airport in some way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're running to get somebody off of an airport because they're, you know, going to take that new job on the other side of the country then you're, you're set. You're oh, good. actually, you bring up a good point. When you're stopping them from achieving their <laughs> dreams, it's even more years that you don't have to do something Exactly, because that, that means there's more love. Yeah, like, I love you so much that I don't want you to do anything you've ever wanted <laughs> to do. Uh, <laughs> that, that definitely reminds me of an episode of How I Met Your Mother um, where Ted dates a, a baker, and eventually she gets offered a job and throughout the episode, they're both struggling as to whether or not she should take it or not because she would have to leave. And he decides wholeheartedly, I can't stop her from from um, chasing her dream. So I'm going to tell her that we should break up and she should go. And she, in the meantime, makes the opposite decision of, you know what? Love is important and I'm going to stay here and stick it out and see what happens. And then when they meet and talk, Ted abandons everything and says, stay. And then as soon as he says stay, she's like, oh, I have to go. Because I'm realizing all of a sudden I can't make these kinds of career decisions on fleeting love. It's like that movie with uh, Drew Barrymore and Justin Long where they are in a long distance relationship doing things back and forth and like she's always traveling or he's doing whatever he's kind of stuck in a rut she's trying her best to make it work but she has a dream she wants to do things so they end up having to go their separate ways and she goes to fulfill her dream and he then up and moves everything to go be with her so she can fulfill his, her dream and he can start fresh in a new place and it's a different turn it's a different turn to romantic comedies because the guy is catering to the girl and they're both fulfilling their dreams together versus either giving up their dreams entirely or just one person's giving up their dreams for the sake of like a physical attraction. Right. While we're on this uh, reference tangent, I want to just uh, <laughs> throw in a movie some of you might have heard called The Graduate. Um which I don't know much about the story of this movie, but it's famous because 
the end scene is this girl's about to get married. The love interest like runs in and says like, no, don't marry him. And she leaves the other guy at the altar. But then you see the two of them like get on a bus and they're both happy. And then they slowly start to realize like, oh shit, like that was a big commitment. And like, we might not really be right for each other. Like what's next? And so I think a lot of rom-coms, including Scott Pilgrim, end with the big romantic gesture where maybe they should end up together, maybe they shouldn't, but we don't see what happens after that. On the topic of that, the of when you get into romantic comedies, obviously nobody does romance better than Jane Austen, but it's interesting to think of things from... Uh, Matthew McConaughey does a great <laughs> job with rom- go on so you think of it as in terms of like where does romance end what does it take to be romantic is it just a generalized physical attraction to somebody but what happens at the end of everything like i think the biggest the biggest question all of us have when a movie ends is what happened afterwards mm-hmm. did they live happily ever after what happened whereas people like jane austen have said that the reason why nothing in her stories took place after a wedding was because she herself never got married, so she doesn't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes you can't, you don't think of romance as progressing past a certain stage because you yourself have never experienced it. So, like, people who have experienced it want more because they know what more can happen, but, like, these characters are not there yet. So, like, maybe... They don't know each other right now. Who knows? After the movie ended, they could have spent a year in Cabo getting to know each other. We don't know that. But there has to be at least something more. Are you at least mm-hmm. maybe you just want there to be something more than, oh, she has pretty hair and was in my dream. Let me marry her. That's true. And there's definitely a uh, a cynical perspective of the people who say like well, then what? Then all the hard parts of a relationship get involved. Like, when people talk about rom-com endings and they say, well, what's next? It's usually the the negative perspective of, you focused on all the lovey-dovey part, but now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty part. What about when somebody uses the last of the toilet paper and doesn't put a new roll in the bathroom? What about that? That's realistic, but they don't talk about that in relationships. And that's a big, that's a big hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, exactly. And there are so many positive aspects after the puppy love and mm-hmm. after the, the hoorah romantic gesture that gets you guys together. Um, I think He's Just Not That Into You does a, a decent job mm-hmm. um, showing different levels of relationships and uh, crazy stupid love. Yes. Yeah. Um. Bob and Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers, a lot of people online have kind of referenced as like the best TV couple because they've had three kids. They've been together since like, I don't even know. I think the show might say they've been together since high school. I could be wrong about that. But the point is, you know, they're at middle age. They're both parents. They're running this business and they, yes, they'll get mad at each other, but they still clearly are in love with each other and like love being the other's partner. And like you said, Alex, yeah, there's like there is downsides to relationships, but people are in relationships for a reason. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite uh, Bob's Burgers 
seeing Bob and Linda interact is Linda wants him to go to a party and he goes, fine, but I'm going to complain the whole time. And she's like, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because in, in Bob's Burgers, the fact that they are so in love is very rare for TV couples because especially in the older television shows, the, the couples themselves, like the parents or the grandparents, have been together for so long that they're always portrayed as like, over it they're over each other they're done everything you say annoys me i don't want anything to do with you i don't want affection it's over but like that's not always realistic because we know plenty of older people who like are over the moon for their partners they are still in love today 25 35 45 50 years later than they were when they first started so I don't think the portrayal of romance dying at a certain age is fair. Is fair, but it's so widely viewed in Hollywood. Um, so I want to bring up the concept of baggage because that's something that the movie talks about a lot. Um, and I mean, obviously, the whole point is these exes aren't over Ramona. Ramona, I think, is not necessarily over at least Gideon. Um, Scott's not over his ex. It's just a theme through the movie that I think is worth discussing. So I just wanted to bring that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, recognizing that whoever you start up a relationship with has a past. Unless you start dating in like middle school and then you don't stop dating. Usually... Uh, I'm reminded of the, the phrase sloppy seconds, mm -hmm. which sounds very negative because that's how it's meant to be. But it's a it's a crude reference to, well, I've tried to put myself out there and it didn't work out or I was put myself in a vulnerable situation and I got hurt. Obviously, it's in reference to sexual acts, but people have used it in the past as like relationship um, sloppy seconds. And it's. It's a little unfair. I think another important thing to notice in the movie is Scott's obsession with his hair. Because they had mentioned at some point in time that he had gotten a haircut hours before his girlfriend broke up with him. And now anytime somebody comments on his hair, he automatically puts a hat on. Like he's automatically putting a safety net on. And I think when you are in a relationship and you dedicate so much of your time and your love into one other person, you kind of forget or stop loving yourself. So when that person is no longer there anymore, you have to learn how to love yourself again. And it's very clear that both Scott and Ramona are going into this relationship without fully learning how to love themselves again, or else they wouldn't have so many insecurities that they're basically battling throughout the entire movie. Scott always putting his hat on, Ramona constantly being like, oh, we have to get out of here. This is my ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like if, if she was truly over it, and they were all truly over everything, them getting together wouldn't have been so problematic because they could have just been adults about it. But they have so much built up insecurity over everything that it's like a, one of the biggest roadblocks, if not bigger than the exes. Right. They both have a, an avoidant personality. At one point, Scott has um, a spinner in his head deciding what excuse he should use. Mm -hmm. And it lands in the middle and he goes... I have to pee on her. 
Oh, I have to pee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you said, Britt, um, this idea of like having to love yourself um, after a situation like this, which the movie touches on, I think this might be a nitpick, but I think this is maybe not portrayed as well as it could have been. But once Scott um, fights Gideon the second time, he says, I'm not fighting you for her. I'm fighting you for me. And he gets this sword called the power of self-respect. And so I think that's basically what you're talking about. Like the moment where Scott's like, I'm my own person and I, I need to, one, love myself and do things for me, not for someone else. But also I need to own up to my wrongdoings and like I'm kind of a shitty person and I need to ex not accept that, but I need to own up to that and rectify that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good point to bring up. Yeah, I do like uh, when he uses his one-up, he tries to fix based on what he learned. Um, and he, he talks to his ex that's a band member and apologizes for the type of person that he was. Um, he talks to Knives and explains like, I cheated on you with her, and that wasn't right of me. There shouldn't have been overlap. Uh, we really shouldn't have dated in the first place, but and that, but that's on me. You're not mad at Ramona. You're mad at me, and so take it out on me. Yeah, that was his own personal growth. So there's nothing to say that at, after the movie that they did finally start getting to know each other versus like just the physical aspects because I think when you first get to know anybody, it is very physical. Like obviously your mm -hmm. physical attraction to that person is what draws you to like get to want to get to know that person. But at some point in time that has to like drop because somebody is more than their physical attraction. So maybe after he battled everything and learned how to love himself again, then they could finally move forward and be like, oh, by the way, I don't like avocados and I hate waking up early on Tuesday. Like they'll get to know the little things about each other. But for now, they're both so busy battling all of these demons and insecurities that they're just not there yet, which is more hindering the relationship, even though in the movie it kind of portrays it as if they're growing, which in a way they are, but they're not growing together. They're growing as their own people. Mm -hmm. um, and it definitely, this I, again, I'm going to bring up this idea of the whole baggage. When you get to know each other, you do want, I mean, I think you should want to get to know about their exes and ask the question like, so what did you learn from the, your previous relationships? Like, yeah. why, why did this one end? What did you learn from that one? Uh, how, what, what does that bring to this relationship? Because it's not always negative. You can grow within breakups. You can grow within um, relationships that aren't great. Yeah, there's a quote from, I'm pretty sure it's from This Is Us. Um, and there's two characters talking about getting into a relationship. And one of them says something like, no, I have too much baggage. And the other character says, well, you know, baggage can hold good stuff, too, like uh, like your toothbrush and your shoes and stuff like that. And I think um, that's very true um, where like, yeah, maybe you were in bad situations and maybe you were the toxic one or, you know, you were um, at the receiving end of like bad treatment. But ultimately, you're you should 
learn from those um, situations. Yeah, you don't want to avoid and keep making the same mistake over and over. Of course, of course. I would say that one of the most important lessons is this idea of forgiveness. Um, And also, in more specific terms, you will eventually get over an ex. Like, there is a finish line to the pain and suffering that could have occurred via a bad breakup or via a bad relationship that had to end. What I like in, in one of the things I do like about Scott battling all of the exes and Ramona kind of being there face to face with him while he's with his ex-girlfriend for the very first time is that in a way they're both helping each other get over their exes and I mean it may they may not be together forever but at least they did help each other in this way I'm here for you this is something we have to uh, that has to be gone through but we'll go through it together Mm -hmm. I'm gonna help you get over her I'm you're gonna battle all these guys you know, and exes. girl, exes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we're going to we're gonna get through this together, but we have to get through it. We have to, like, go one by one. This is our baggage. This is what happened. This is what's going to happen. This is how I feel. And then you get over it. You move over it onto the next and then onto the next and onto the next until you finally everything's out in the open and you're both on the same page, basically. Right. And I earlier complained about this but I do think it's a, it's an important concept of Ramona says that she's dating Scott or that she likes Scott because he's simple because he's he's nice um, and I thought I still think that it's kind of a negative but it does bring up this idea of as you grow as a person you need different things in your life at different times and so if Scott and Ramona had met in middle school, they wouldn't have meshed at all. They wouldn't have liked each other because Ramona was in a different place and Scott was in a different place. Um, At that time, Ramona needed to punch all the jocks in the face or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you'll get over your big ex is um, a big part of this movie. Um And I think basically what we've been trying to get at is movies and pop culture have lessons you can learn about relationships, but they're definitely not the place you want to um, only get your information from. Like, you don't want to hold your relationships to the standard of one from some rom-com because it's probably not going to live up to it. Right, and sometimes the lessons you get out of movies, whether rom-coms or others, are the lessons that you need to learn because you're in that place in that life. Yeah, I think as you progress as a person, if you go back and watch specific movies, especially this one, you'll realize that you yourself have evolved as a person, so now you're seeing these characters in a different light. Like when you're younger and you can always relate to like the kid who's getting yelled at by the parents and you take sympathy for the kid versus when you get older and you're like, well, you're being stupid. This is why your parents yelling at you. It's the same thing for romantic comedies. Like they're falling in love for this reason and you find yourself sympathizing with this one person probably because you're going through something similar yourself in life. 
But as you get older and your situations change, maybe you can start feeling sympathy for the other characters that you once didn't feel sympathy for or you didn't understand why things were happening the way that they were happening.